I throw my hands up, bring them down, and plop them on my hips. After the lights dim, I skip off the stage, still able to be seen by the audience. In the dark wings of backstage, I begin to take off my tap shoes, moving slowly, making sure nothing can be heard. As soon as the stage lights come back on and illuminate backstage a little, my jacket comes off. The crew opens the stage door and I sprint through the hall. Buttons become undone, zippers go down, quick changes are a huge part of dance and theater. When you are on stage, leave and need to come back in a different outfit within three minutes, there's a lot of running and a lot of chaos. After being a dancer for 15 years, you learn to embrace change. Now, as a college junior, I know that better than ever. I'm Ellie, and I like reading, lifting, and Hosier's new album called Unreal on Earth. I'm Karina, and I like cars, listening to music, and traveling. I'm Molly, and I like the band Muna, Children's Books, and Hammocking and Ungodly Weather. I'm Connor, and I like playing basketball, playing video games, and hanging out with friends. Welcome to Modern Story Podcast, episode number four. Today, we're telling stories about embracing change. Let's get started with Ellie and her story about her study abroad trip to New Zealand. Ever since I became aware of its existence, I have always wanted to go to New Zealand. It's a politically peaceful country with an incredibly diverse population that cares deeply about its carbon footprint, and it has the most beautiful flora on the planet. It also has a sheep-to-human ratio of 5 to 1, which is a bonus. And pardon my participation in the overuse of this word, but the overall vibe is just something I've wanted to experience firsthand for years. So when I heard that there was a study abroad program going to New Zealand in January of 23, I obviously jumped at the opportunity. The preparation was so exciting. I helped plan a group presentation about the surrounding oceans of New Zealand. We had monthly meetings about what our itinerary was going to look like, and I just love packing for some reason. I couldn't tell you why. After months of this super fun prep, January arrives and I, along with 29 other students, depart for New Zealand. Our first layover was from Minnesota to Canada, then from, uh, sorry, California, goodness, then from California to Fiji, then from Fiji to New Zealand. It was a very long day and a half to say the least. The second we touched down in New Zealand though, I felt like I had a rock sitting in my stomach. I had a lump in my throat, my eyes were welling with tears, and I couldn't stop shaking. I just chalked it up to homesickness, of course, as I've never been out of the country before, let alone this far out of the country. But later that night, I had my first of many anxiety attacks on the trip. My brain was restless. I couldn't breathe at some points, um, and eventually it got so terrible that I could hardly see five feet in front of me. I somehow calmed down at some point, but then the next day came and the panic was just relentless. I had never experienced anxiety like this in my life. Um, and I was having multiple attacks a day for about a week and a half straight on this trip, each one coming out of nowhere. But no matter how bad each one got, I told myself I was not leaving, um, that I wouldn't give up no matter how emotionally drained I was. Then one day when we were departing for our next location of the trip, I had an attack so bad that I nearly blacked out. And it was then that I knew I probably couldn't and shouldn't stick it out for another three weeks. I was devastated, not because I was leaving early, because I did want to go home, but because I have wanted to experience this country to its fullest extent for years, and now I couldn't even stay for longer than two weeks. I felt the most weak I'd ever felt in my life. I was so disappointed that the negative self-talk continued for months after this trip. Um, I utterly loathed what I thought to be my inability to try new things. After many therapy sessions and hour-long phone calls with my mom though i started putting myself back together a little bit and while i still experienced some negative self-talk over that whole experience now i can at least match it with 
knowing that I was strong enough to advocate for myself. Um, and at least I knew what I needed to do, despite how difficult I knew it would be. And hey, now I can say that I've traveled over 8,000 miles and navigated four different airports all by myself. Thank you for sharing that story with us, Ellie. Aside from the negative self-talk, do you have any regrets about leaving early? I don't. I mean, every once in a while, I'll see a picture that someone else on the trip posted, like, after I left. And it makes me sad that I didn't get to see it, but even still, I know that the decision that I made to come home was the best one I could have made in that moment. Um, and I'm hoping that someday I'll be able to travel back with some people that I feel a little bit more comfortable with and when I know a little bit more about what to expect. What would you say was the biggest culture shock you experienced during your time in New Zealand? I would say the biggest one was when we spent a few days with a native tribe from New Zealand. The native um, group there are called Maori. That was definitely the biggest culture shock. We learned some of their like ancient um, like battle and fighting techniques. We learned uh, some of the Maori language and we stayed in a relatively remote area that was owned by that family and that tribe specifically. Um, that was definitely the most intense, but even even that being the biggest change, it was still probably my favorite part of that trip. Here's Karina and her story about deciding to come to Bethel. My senior year was not anything that I would have ever imagined it to be. At this point in my life, I was just getting back on my toes. I was still grieving the loss of my brother while still battling the pandemic. By February, most seniors knew where they were going or had a plan on what they were going to do after high school. Up until this point, I didn't really have a plan. I didn't know how far I could get through exam, and I was just proud of myself for meeting new goals in my life. I didn't plan on going to school after high school, but my family knew me better than I knew myself and encouraged me to go because they felt that I would sell myself short. I was scared of rejection. I was scared of applying to schools and getting my hopes up. That's why I waited so long, which was not the best idea. In early February, I ended up applying to around 20 universities. I woke up and would just pray and hope that I would receive something. I did experience my first letter of rejection. At this point, I didn't accept to get accepted to all the schools I applied to, but I was at least hoping to experience how I felt to feel accomplished. This February specifically was very difficult for my family and I. My brother's birthday was February 15th, and with his recent passing, we were all unsure on how to go about celebrating and grieving. My brother is nine days older than me, and we were raised as twins. He was adopted, so were some of my other siblings, but it didn't change anything nevertheless. I'm not a big fan of my birthday, so the nine days between our birthdays, my brother made sure to make every day up until my birthday feel like a celebration. With the pressure of school and grieving, my emotions were everywhere. I focused my attention on school and waited to hear from schools, and the anticipation grew stronger. Time goes by faster, and the next thing I notice, it's February 24th. And I was at the mall with my sister and my mom getting ready to go to my birthday dinner later that night. The next thing I noticed, I received an acceptance letter from Bethel. I felt so much relief and gratitude. It was very emotional. It was a very emotional moment for all of us. 
I took this as such a blessing, yet the scariest thing about it was being so far away from home. I was born and raised in Wisconsin. I'd never been away from home before. It was, it was a big change for all of us. I needed to take this opportunity and grow from it. This was a start on how I took a leap of faith and left everything I knew to come to Minnesota and grow to become the person I know I could be at Bethel. Thank you so much for sharing your story, Karina. I was wondering, what is your favorite memory of your brother? My favorite memory of my brother was before he passed, he started a nonprofit organization and it continues to grow, although uh, my family and I took a step away just because it was pretty difficult for us to continue seeing that. What emotions did you experience when you received your acceptance letter from Bethel? I was, I felt five emotions all at the same time. I was scared, happy, um, unsure. I was just, I didn't know how to register my own emotions. Now here's Molly and her story called I Met Myself in Belize. I sat on the brown carpeted floor with my life packed in a backpack next to me. It was 11 p.m. and the only other person there was my roommate Emily. Malls, we need to get you to bed, Emily said. I'm not going. We just sat in silence, both of us with a tear falling down our face. Even though I had worked hard to get myself ready for my study abroad trip to Belize, I decided it was too much. People were asking me about the upcoming trip and my responses all sound the same. I can't wait to go to Belize. It's going to be such a cool opportunity. I'm definitely looking forward to it. What I didn't say was, I'm nervous. It would probably be easier if I just stayed home. I was finally starting to feel like I belonged in Minnesota, and now I'm leaving that behind for a couple weeks, and that scares me. I was left wondering, why do I feel like backing out at the last minute? What is wrong with me? When I pictured myself in Belize looking up at the canopy and all of creation, I knew that I'd be filled with joy. Yet when I pictured myself packing my bag and hopping on the plane, I saw a person too scared of the unknown and changed to do it. But at 3 a.m., I got up and dragged my single gray backpack filled to the brim with hiking gear to Emily's car and hit the interstate toward MSP. Entering into the Belizean rainforest for a month, I felt insecure. But ultimately, I realized secure doesn't have to look like the same friends in my favorite set of overalls. Secure can be embracing new opportunities. I made new friends and waterproof pants feel secure. About halfway through our trip, a professor introduced our second large writing assignment in an open air classroom with jars of snakes on the shelves. For the first essay, I had stuck to what I knew. I wrote a self-deprecating journalistic piece about change that felt easy. The second essay, however, we were encouraged to step out of our comfort zone. For heaven's sake, we were in the rainforest. I had already stepped out of my comfort zone. All this to say, I remember my professor, April, sitting next to me and coaching me as I brainstormed essay ideas. Before she left, she passed me a note. It said, Molly, your job is to go too far. I wrote a collection of poetry all centered around body image and womanhood. It was out of my comfort zone. When I got home from Belize, I sat cross-legged on my cold kitchen counter. I again had tears streaming down my face as I stared at a blank wall processing my recent return to the U.S. I don't know why I climbed up there. Maybe I was subconsciously hoping the higher vantage point would provide me some clarity. I kept asking myself, 
How do you reconcile leaving a place that has changed you, returning from an escape, re-entering a world that scares you? I met myself in Belize. I thought I already knew her, but she caught me off guard. In the rainforest, I met a person who didn't care what others thought about her. Someone who put herself first, not in a selfish way, but in a necessary way. Someone who owned anxiety and doubt, but also bravery and laughter. A woman who felt beautiful many days and less than on others, yet put on the swimsuit and hopped in the bladed river. I lived boldly, lively. Every day since then, I have been working to live just as boldly, just as lively. It's an awesome story, Molly. Uh, did you, did your vulnerable writing in Belize feel cathartic or nerve-wracking or relaxing? Um, and do you see yourself writing more about those things in the future? Yeah, it definitely felt nerve-wracking, I would say, the most. Like, there was something healing about it, but I just couldn't, like, shake it. Every time I wrote something down, I would have to, like, take a break and, like, take a walk because it just felt important yet hard. Um, yeah. And I've definitely been on a poetry kick since then. I love writing about the things that I didn't before, you know, and exploring yeah. those other sides of me. So, yeah, for sure. Awesome. What was something that, you know, you took from Belize and that you brought back with you? Um, a lesson that I kind of learned in Belize was that it didn't matter what other people thought of me, which is something, you know, I think you're always trying to convince yourself growing up. But um, yeah, I just decided that if I wanted to go to a play, even if there's no one who wanted to go to a play, I'd go by myself. Yeah. Yeah. And if I wanted to dance in Trader Joe's, I would dance in Trader Joe's. <laughs> I just, yeah, I think that was the biggest lesson I learned was that I just needed to live like myself if I wanted to live a fulfilling life. Awesome. awesome. Here is Connor and his story called Embracing and Finding Myself with God. I was an 18-year-old man growing up fast in the eyes of Christian parents and them having the goal of me getting baptized and turning to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I was a senior in high school, and my youth group went on a mission trip to Colorado to help spread the word to younger kids and even people around my age. My parents had always urged me to get baptized, even when my church was doing them, and I always said I would, but when it came down to the week of baptism, I always backed out because I believed I was anxious and didn't understand whether or not I was ready to get myself to the Lord. Even though I believed in them and prayed every day and always mentioned to God, mentioned God to my peers, I always was someone to try and get my friends to come to youth group because I felt like they needed to hear the word of Jesus Christ. This was a confusing time for me because I felt I was ready, but I always ended up getting anxious and deciding not to do it. My parents would never rush me nor push me to do it. And I remember my mom saying this every time, it's okay if you're not ready. God is patiently and happily waiting for you. That was something I always thought about because I knew God was waiting for me at the right time that made me most comfortable. We went on the mission trip to Colorado and we were in charge of creating a skit to represent an event that happened in the Bible and sharing our testimonies. This was something that my youth pastor always urged me to do because I've always had such a great connection with her, but I always said no because I never wanted to share such a personal experience with over 100 people who were around my age. The anxiety of doing that pushed me away from it. I remember when we were splitting up to decide who would do what, and the only two people wanted to share their testimonies, and we needed a couple more. One of my lifelong friends decided to do it because nobody was taking the spots, and I remember there was one spot remaining. I glimpsed over at my youth pastor and the ones presenting, and she looked at me with the most gentle and patient smile that I've ever seen from her. I instantly felt this feeling in my chest, the feeling you get when you go down a steep roller coaster. My body got chills, and it felt like my heart was jumping out of the stage to offer to give my testimony. I didn't do anything at first, but that feeling just never went away and it felt like I was brought up to them. 
I think this was my leap of faith because I decided to give my testimony because I remember being extremely nervous and fiddling before I presented it. But seconds after I started talking, everything went away. The nerves, the chills, everything. And I felt like I was talking to a group of over 100 people that I knew and I wasn't afraid to talk to. After I gave my testimony, I knew this was God telling me to take my leap of faith and go outside of my box and become a son of God. I got baptized a week after my mission trip and gave this exact story, and I remember how emotional my parents were and the joy that we all had that day and something I'll remember forever. Thank you so much for sharing such an intimate story. Um, how do you think you've changed or grown in your faith since getting baptized? You know, I really think I've become, you know, more mature and more patient ever since my baptism. It just felt like, I just felt like an instantly new man coming up off, coming up from under the water and it's something that, you know, I always cherish and always remember. Yeah, you said one of your friends encouraged you to share your testimony. Do you think that you could also be that sort of friend for someone else in the future? Yes, for sure. I believe I definitely am someone like that to younger people in my high school. Um, you know, I'm someone that they look up to, and I always made sure that I was a leader to them, and I was very selfless. I would always make sure to do whatever I could to improve for their skills and their sport that they were playing. So, what have we learned today? From Ellie's story, we learned that it's okay if change is hard and you have to take care of yourself. From Karina's story, we learned that embracing change can create new opportunities. I learned from Molly that sometimes you have to push yourself outside of your comfort zone in order to learn more about yourself, even if pushing yourself means traveling to the rainforest. Connor's story is a testimony to the fact that we are still here changing and choosing to embrace it every day. We want to thank some people for helping, out, helping us out in this Modern Story podcast at Bethel University in St. Paul, Minnesota. Thanks to Professor Chris Schaffner and his teaching assistants for maintaining the podcast studio and giving us access to it. Thank you all for sharing your stories and helping each other with ours. Look for the next episode of Modern Story Podcast, which is about perseverance. And lastly, go tell your dog, Root Beer Salesman, and Ross Allen about Modern Story. <laughs>